0: Welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're roughly a week into fall camp and Sunbelt football is just a few short weeks away. We'll get to today's episode in just a moment. But before we do, we wanted to remind you to go listen to our last episode, the third in our season preview series. We spoke with James Madison head coach Kurt Signetti about the upcoming season for the JMU Dukes. Kurt doesn't do a lot of podcasts. He does the Frary and Smith podcast. So if you haven't already, you'll want to take time to listen to it. Today, on episode 98 of the show, we're excited to continue our season preview series with the South Alabama Jaguars and head coach Kane Womack. The Jags went 10 3 in 2022 in what many have called their best season as an FBS program. They appeared in the New Orleans Bowl, just the third bowl appearance in program history. Caden, South Alabama, they orchestrated a historic season last year. This year, they're bringing back almost 90% of their starters and are the favorite to win the West by many people. On paper, though, Caden, this Jaguars team is looking even better than the one that we saw last year.
1: Yeah, again, just thankful that I called my shot last year, that they would be good. And I think now that it's going to be the take that everybody has. I mean, when you look at this team on paper, you could. Talk about Troy's championship DNA and what they brought back. But as far as on paper teams winning the conference, winning their side of the conference, it's hard to deny South Alabama when you look at how much they return. I mean, there's only a couple teams in the entire country that are returning this much production. Think about a Florida State and a Kansas. I think that might be literally it just two teams. So on paper, when you look at this team, they looked poised for a championship last year. They could have been. You could have said they could have been. But if, if they weren't last year, whatever they didn't have, whatever their deficiencies were and those few losses they had, When you bring back the entire team, you have to feel good about this squad heading into the year.
0: Hey, two losses in the regular season by a combined five points, one of them on the road at UCLA. We'll talk about that more as this episode gets in. Well, as promised, we're talking South Alabama. Kane Womack is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Womack. We are excited to welcome South Alabama head coach Kane Walmack to the podcast. Kane, thanks for uh, coming on the show.
2: Glad to be on with you guys.
0: Well, it has no doubt been a busy summer for you. You and your staff, you guys have been running camps, you guys are recruiting. I know the, the 2025 recruiting period just opened. What's the summer been like for Kane Walmack?
2: You know, um,
0: there is a lot of
2: positives going into year three of a program with a lot of experience. Um, that's an obvious statement uh but one that when you work so hard right to build this program and you try to build the foundation the right way um so many of our of our conversations um about how do we organize our practice schedules how do how are we organizing our recruiting what are the systems in place to hold people accountable you know all those things took hours days whatever right to now, you know, with Major Applewhite in in going into year three as our offensive coordinator, Corey Batun is our defensive coordinator. We just hired uh, John Clark, our new chief of staff, who had been with Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer for twenty years um, at a number of places as as their chief of staff, and and we're really fortunate to bring him on. But you just have all those things in place that now those conversations become fifteen minutes, right? Or you're, you're able to be more efficient at the things that, that you already detailed out on the front end so that you can focus on maybe some of those finer details that, that, that get our program better or, or also uh, provide a better experience for our student-athletes. And, and really those two things go hand in hand. So really rewarding, really fun, uh, excited to get into the ball piece here um, starting this week with, with fall camp
1: appreciate you joining us, Coach Womack. This school's history with football is not the longest, but it was a historic season last year. A 10-win season was just one fewer win than the last three years combined, and it was a leap of five or more wins compared to your last year. As you look to keep building on that momentum, what are your expectations for this team heading into the 2023 season?
2: You know, it's a great question. Uh, When I took this job, I I talked about um, this is a program that should be in a bowl game every year. That should be the expectation, and, and we should be within arm's reach of a conference championship. Um, you know, when you look at the preseason and what we have coming back and some of the expectations from the media, which, like it or not, right, that is that is what it is, and that is, uh, is some of the measuring stick that we all have to go by, right, um, we're we're kind of in that position. We're, we have a, a good opportunity to be a, a team that goes to a bowl game. We, I think, have a chance to be within arm's reach of a conference championship this year or at least go compete for it. Um, but in our building, we don't, we actually don't put up any, we don't put any preseason goals. You won't see a board on in the team meeting room that talks about those things. We are relentlessly process oriented, uh, within the program. And so what we try to focus on are, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, the details that we think are the habits that are, that, that translate to winning, And then we look at that specific week and specific opponent that we're facing that week. And what do we need to do as a team to defeat that team? And then, and then go on to the next one. And so, you know, if you, if you, if you put in like, all right, here's these long-term goals, right. Then I think sometimes the focus always becomes just about that. Every competitor that puts their head on a pillow at night is going to dream about championships. That's just a given. That's just what we do. But in the building we're going to stay more focused on kind of the the day to day task at hand so I don't know if that answers your question the right way, but that's kind of how we handle it you know within our building
0: so then how do you guys on a day to day how do you guys quantify success what is what does that look like in terms of what you've just said
2: perfect question um I, I think for us it is okay what what are what are winning habits right what are uh, what is the consistency that, that a young man has to operate with day in and day out? Um, can they stay off lists and out of uh, issues that, that, that would, would uh, get our coaches to focus on other things other than preparing a game plan and making sure that they're providing the best experience for our student athletes, right? So for us, we look at habits and how consistent those habits operate and how well um, you, for, as coaches and as staff, you know the the consistency and what we call LEO—it's genuine consideration for others. It stands for love each other, but but defined in our program, LEO stands for genuine consideration for others. Um, consistent respect is probably the easiest way to say that, right? So consistent LEO and consistent accountability. And if we're genu- you know, consistently respecting each other, um, serving each other. Um and then holding one another accountable to the details that it takes to accomplish that vision. If you can do those things both consistently, you're you're operating with winning fundamentals. And, and so that's kind of the the marker that we utilize day in and day out here.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, makes a lot of sense. Coaches, we're going through this series, we're talking with every Sunbell head coach. We were talking with Coach Desermo earlier in the week from Louisiana. Uh, he talked about the competitiveness of this league and the slim margin for error. Nobody knows that better than you guys. Two regular season losses last year by just five points. Um, having lost just two regular season games by such a close margin, have strong finishes in owning that fourth quarter been a point of emphasis for you guys this offseason?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, the, the short answer is yes. I think, the you know, when you great competitors, right? Whether you're an individual or a team, um, you identify the things that you're doing really well and you try to stay as consistent um in those processes as you can, right, to to get the same outcome that you've that you've that you've achieved uh in, in years prior. But then on the, the other side, right, you gotta look for what you gotta be really relentless in like what are the things that that how do we lose? right this next year how how do we how, how does this team beat us how do how do we come up short and what did we not do well enough a year ago that cost us a loss against Troy or UCLA or maybe you know we won the game but we made it really close and closer than we needed it to against XYZ opponent right what are the things that we need to do and be focused on and that's a fine line right cuz Here's here's the here are the standards right that we operate in day to day, and here are the things that with a finite amount amount of time and resources that we're investing into to play winning football. But then you got to keep the main thing the main thing. But then on the other side, right here are some things that we've shown like these are exposures for us. Right, defensively we didn't deal with tempo well enough uh, against Western Kentucky in the bowl game. Right, cost us. Uh, offensively we. Some of our main runs were stopped against Troy, and we lost a 10-6 to 6 game, right? That just one more explosive play, just one more score. So those are the things that you kind of have to balance hand in hand. What, what, is, what are the, our consistent habits? Keep the main thing the main thing, but also, like, you got to be relentless in, in finding the things that, that from one year to the next keep you uh, really ahead of the curve. And I think that's, you know, to Mike's point, that's really what, what we try to handle.
1: That's definitely an instant and interesting balance, Coach, and it's no secret you have one of the most experienced rosters in the entire country. You have that luxury of having just an absolutely loaded group with proven talent and experience seemingly at every position. How has your approach to coaching this mature group been maybe different? How have you been able to maybe operate differently because of their experience?
2: Yeah, I I think um, it allows you, you know, experience does two things. One, when you're in big moments, right? You just have a confidence because you've been there before, right? So that that experience gives you the, the knowledge of uh, uh, the. It's 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 no different than anything, right? When you're whether you're in uh, in junior high and you've got your first morning workouts, right, the next morning, or whether you're in college and you're going out for your first start, it's the unknowns, right, that are that are the scariest piece of it. What do I not know, right? experience right gives you that hey I've gone out I've played this thing I've seen a lot of football I've done all that so that's one piece of it but then the other piece of it right is your once you have this baseline of experience okay I've started in games I've gone through a game plan I've operated against really good players all that stuff now I also can start focusing on the finer details that make me that much better of a player maybe it's fundamentals Maybe it's knowing our scheme better. Maybe it's knowing our opponent better, right? But in year three, with a bunch of returning starters, we're able to kind of focus on those finer details. And then even organizationally, for me as the head coach, I'm able to spend more time engaging with our players, honing in on those finer details for them. And our coaches, because I'm not having to do all these big picture things that I was doing in year one or two, we've we've kind of used the 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 analogy of cranking the dial forward, right? So if everyone will just, hey, whether you operated in, as an all American last year or whether you're a first year starter or a backup, if everyone will just kind of crank the dial forward in their respective areas, this team will better themselves.
0: Well, that's certainly a scary answer for the rest of the league that South Alabama could still be better than the 10 wins last year. Coach, outside of your West schedule, uh, you visit Cotton Bowl champion Tulane to start the season. You make a trip to Stillwater to face Oklahoma State. Plus, you draw JMU and Marshall out of the East. There's really no denying that this schedule is going to challenge your team this year.
2: Yeah, really, really challenging schedule. By far the, the, the hardest that, we've, that we have faced. Um, very fortunate to have the experience we have on this team. Going in into this season with this schedule, um, you guys mentioned it before. This is a really young program, and if you want to be a championship program, you have to be put in championship moments, right? And so for us, what an unbelievable opportunity to go play Tulane—the first game of the season, a team that won the Cotton Bowl—that's really um, the you know the best group of five team in college football this past season, and really heading into this year. Uh, with preseason expectations, it's an awesome opportunity for us. It's great for our fan base. It's great for our players. It's great for you know the 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 overall opportunities that you have to have um, in in order to be a, a program that 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 really is growing into relevancy in the college football landscape. And so we need these these competitive games. We need these opportunities. We may win. All of them, we may lose all of them. I don't know. But unless you're in the fight, unless you're in the ring, you you don't have a chance to move move this program forward. And so I think this this schedule really sets up well, um, you know, that if if you find a way to navigate through it, um, you know, there'll be no doubting whether or not this this team uh, can compete at a high level.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt me and Noah are definitely excited about some of your non conference matchups. We've been talking about it all off season. But switching to some of the player side of things, Carter Bradley had an amazing season under center in his first year with the program last year. He now gets to build on that, unlike a lot of the transfer quarterbacks we saw in the conference that were successful last season. What have you said what would you say you've seen him improve his game compared to when he first got to this program last year?
2: Yeah, um, I think I, I think it's undervalued. How impressive that is to come in as a transfer quarterback and start in year one and operate at the level that Carter did in year one um you know of, of this program. And he really he did it consistently throughout the year. So when you think about some of the, the questions and the things that were going through his mind on, you know, whatever it is, it's August 1st, right, of 2022, his experience of this league his understanding of our scheme his understanding of our opponents his chemistry right with our offensive skill players and our and our offensive line and and just and then chemistry with with our coordinator in major applewhite all those things are so farther along than where they were a year ago that you know ultimately he has the skill set to to operate as an elite level player he's got the arm talent he can move around he can avoid you know he's all that kind of stuff. But to be able to apply that mentally, right, um, gives him an opportunity that that I think, you know, I think Carter could take a, a pretty big jump in terms of what he produced on the field even a year ago, which was, you know, pretty special even then.
0: Yeah, Caden and I are definitely on record that he, it seems like with the pieces around him, he's primed for a big season. Uh, Coach, everyone became very familiar with LaDamian Webb last season after that amazing year, but I'm really intrigued by Braylon McReynolds. He showed a lot of different level of versatility, athleticism, both on offense and on special teams. What kind of a role do you see him playing on this football team this fall?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, LaDamian Webb is, is a tremendous football player, right? Um, and and certainly he gets a ton of the credit, but for to be a true freshman, and walk in the door um, with, with Braylon M- McReynolds coming from mcgill tulane High School right down the road, uh, like to to come in and operate and know that he can fill in for, for LaDamian Webb and it not just be a total drop-off is pretty amazing. Um, I'm so impressed with him, his work ethic. I think he's taken his game to a totally different level um, at going into his sophomore season, his practice habits, Um, his understanding of our offense and what we're trying to do, his confidence, you know, knowing, hey, I've done this and I can make plays every time the ball is in my hand. Uh, Very excited to see what he can do along with, you know, you got guys, uh, Marco Lee, who is a a, a returning uh, uh, transfer uh, from Virginia Tech, and then Kentrell Bullock, who we just brought on from Ole Miss that has uh, gobs of talent uh, that we're really excited to be able to, uh, to, to get him into, into the fold. So that running back room has, has probably turned on its head since we got here that, you know, this was a a roster that had some really good pieces to the puzzle. Um, and, and, and it was not, the cupboard was not bare. Um, but probably that running back room was, was in, in as big a deficit along with the O line as any. And, And now I would say that's, uh, a team strength
1: definitely excited about the running back duo of Webb and McReynolds this season but another duo you have on that team is the pairing of Corey Batum and Major Applewhite as your coordinators who were recently ranked as one of the better pairings in the entire country what's the how has it been having that luxury of them being by your side so early on during your tenure from South Alabama and and going forward
2: well um you know it's pretty it's pretty special right your your coordinators um are such a, a major extension of of the head coaching position. And and frankly, you see a lot of head coaches that if they get one of those two hires wrong, um, it, it costs the entire program. You know, Corey Battoon, I have known for a very long time. He was my dad's right-hand man. I, as you guys may know, my dad was a longtime defensive coordinator in college football, had a tremendous 38-year career, number one defense in the country at multiple stops, including Ole Miss, and Corey was my dad's right hand. Um, for, for those years, um, we run the same system uh, defensively that my dad ran. We're you know we're both experienced in that. I trust Corey; he knows kind of some of the things. Me being a defensive background and defensive coordinator myself, what the expectation is, and and has done a really good job of kind of balancing those two things um, of 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 what my expectations and, and him as the defensive coordinator. You know, major I got to meet uh, about a year. Little over a year before um, uh, I, I hired him, we met at the Senior Bowl right here in Mobile. As a matter of fact, and had one of those conversations that you just go, man, like this guy's lockstep in line with, with where you know what he wants next out of his career, what I want out of my career, um, with what we think, uh, you know, we have like-minded uh, uh, values about college football and, and what needs to happen and how you need to operate a team, and it just it just worked. You know what I mean? You just, you see those things, you identify those things and then you get them all together. And that first year, right, we're all trying to mess some of those things together. Uh, but now going into year three, it just, the, the formula worked. and uh, And so, so fortunate to have those two guys. I think, you know, I think that's as good of a duo as you will find in college football today.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I look at the returning experience on this team, but I think it goes under-talked about, just the continuity of your staff heading into this year. I know some of the other major contenders in the league have lost coaches. Um, Coach, you're bringing back seven of your eight top tacklers on that defensive line. You've got Quentin Wolf on kind of going down into that wolf role. You've got Jamie Sheriff. You've got Waikivius Thomas leading the charge up front. How excited are you about that defensive line unit heading into the fall?
2: Well, I I think – you know, that defensive line unit is as impressive off the field as they are on the field. Um, you know, the majority of those guys have had their degree for over a year now, uh, which I think is pretty impressive. They carry themselves with a, a, a lot of maturity. They handle their business. You know, I'll be honest, there, there's probably been a stereotype in college football over the years the defensive line come with a lot of off the field issues, you know, sometimes d-line and corner gets a bad rap, right? that they're that they're the loudest out there on the field and they have the most problems and this and that. Those guys operate at such a high level and they're also probably our our most consistent people in and out uh of, of the field and so really pleased and impressed with with what they bring to the table. But then just their experience along with their talent, right? They're all very talented individuals. But now I think they've experienced things and realized, okay, I can get better as a pass rusher here. I can understand when to take risks uh, here. You know, uh, a lot of times you're trying to create negative plays in the backfield, but you still got to stop the run and kind of build that wall and that foundation, right, for for the rest of our defense to be able to fit off of. So now I know when to take those chances and when not to take those chances. Those are the things that I think allow us to get – Um, really to a position where we're creating more havoc in the backfield. And, and, you know, we've always been a team that creates more sacks and tackles for loss, and in this past year, we probably took a step back in that regard. We were fourth in the country in rushing defense, but I think we have an opportunity to create a lot more havoc going into this season.
1: Coach, this episode would not be complete if I wasn't able to talk about one of my favorite units in the entire conference, and that's your secondary, which is absolutely deep. You bring back Yam Banks, Jaden Voice, and Marquise Robinson. You almost reintroduce Keith Gallman to that lineup. It's almost like you have too many defensive backs, which I think is never the case. I've been curious all (laughs) offseason. I've been curious all offseason. Have you and Corey Batum kind of explored different packages and ways to get a lot of those guys on the field at the same time in this unit that's like pretty stacked and just getting the most out of them this season?
2: Yeah, great question. Uh, you you should be in the in the staff room with us. You know, what I mean, planning through. I mean, that's exactly that's exactly the conversations you have, right? Okay, here we have all these great playmakers, and some of them played for us last season. Some of them are going to do a little bit of different things. Some of them are coming back, like Keith Gallman. Um, how do we find creative ways to funnel the ball to our best players, right? Which you know, obviously, you can you can argue that our safeties are some of our best players. But also, how do we create packages on the field to allow for these guys to to get out there? I mean, you know, Yam Banks, Jaden and Keith Goldman, and also you've got Jalen Jordan, who are all f- starters for us. I mean, you know, have played a lot of football. And then you bring in guys like Ricky Hyatt from Kentucky and Mike Harris that played considerable reps at Baylor, um, who I think, you know, these guys are all going to find a way on the field, right? And so... For us, finding those creative ways, both in scheme, how do we funnel, you know, our defense to, all right, to where the free safety gets to make a tackle, right? Or how do we create some confusion on the back end with our disguises, right, to get our players in the right matchups, but but also just personnel. How do we get more of those players on the field? Um, and I think that's been a really fun thing for us to look at, and I think we'll see a lot more of it, you know, come – Fall camp is really fun to try those things and look at those things and figure out how do we get the best players on the field for the specific thing that we have to focus on that given week.
0: Well, it will certainly be must-watch television on September 2nd when you guys take on uh, Tulane. Coach, we appreciate your time today and uh, certainly looking forward to uh, watching the Jags play some good football this season.
2: Awesome. Looking forward to it as well. Appreciate y'all's time, Leo, and uh, keep those Jays up.
0: Caden, that was always fun. We've admired Coach Walmack from afar. It was great to have him on the show for the first time.
1: Definitely was. It was a great picking in his brain, kind of getting inside of his head as far as how he's approaching this experience group, how they're going about their daily business and staying focused, and just made me more excited for this team heading into the year for sure.
0: Yeah, certainly a lot of pieces back on this roster, but Caden, two pieces back that I think have been under-talked about, and that is at the coordinator positions. You bring back Major Applewhite. You bring back Corey Batoon. We saw a lot of the Sun Belt's top teams lose coordinators this offseason. South Alabama was able to keep those pairings together, and I think that's a big reason why there's a strong upside to South Alabama this fall.
1: Yeah, and when you bring back an experienced group, that's one thing, a veteran group who knows their offense and defense like the back of their hands, but then when you double down on that and they have coordinators that come in that are the same ones that they're used to, they don't have to learn anything new of anything like Coach Womack was saying. These players are now adding to their game. They're adding to the IQ. They're adding to the X's and O's because they can just double down on a system that they already know. So as far as this team being dangerous, that's what really makes them truly dangerous is the fact that they're bringing back veterans and just players in general across the board on offense and defense who did not have to learn anything new this offseason. The freshmen on this team who aren't going to play are the only people that had to learn something new. Everyone else is reinforcing what they know and adding new wrinkles and nuances to both sides of the ball, which I think ultimately makes this team probably the scariest in the conference.
0: Yeah, definitely one of the scariest. Caden, you've been wanting to ask a singular question of this coaching staff all offseason, and that's how they're going to utilize this loaded secondary. Were you satisfied with the response you've been waiting for?
1: Oh yeah. And I was going to wait till we got to the secondary portion of this podcast, but I'm going to predict right now that this is going to be the best third and long team in the conference. If you get to third and long, if this team stops on the run on first and second down, watch out for third and long. Cause there might be five, six, seven guys in the secondary and not many places for the quarterback to go to. So definitely pleased with that answer and excited to join this coaching staff soon. Apparently.
0: Yeah. I mean, he did make you a job offer and I think uh, that the pay is probably better than it is here on the Freary and Smith podcast. <laughs> so I, I, I might take that if I were you, well, Caden, South Alabama, they finished the season 10-3 last year. They went 7-1 in Sunbelt play. The Jags' two regular season losses came by a combined five points, as I mentioned, that 32-31 to loss to UCLA in Pasadena. They had a 10-6 defeat to in-state rival Troy. It was the first season in this program's FBS history in which they recorded 10 wins. Caden, South Alabama was selected second in the Sunbelt West Division poll by the league's coaches this year. With most of this starting lineup back on both sides of the ball, the expectations in Mobile have to be conference title, right?
1: They have to be. And look, I'm just going to say it now. This this team, it just it just seems meant to be. It's the hardest schedule they've ever had, which we'll get into later, but it's also the best team they've had. They're meant to capitalize on this, I feel like. They're meant to run the table. They're meant to have the bulletproof resume. That's going to put them in the Cotton Bowl if they are able to do that. If the football gods are real, this will happen. And this will be the team that runs the table, represents the conference even further in the Cotton Bowl, playing a Power 5 opponent. But the good news is a lot of their tough matchups, like we'll get into more with the schedule, aren't really required for them to win the conference. So it's really about the ceiling's high for this team. How much higher can it go? It can go sky high if they want it to. But just bare bones on paper, as far as having the mission being winning a conference championship, the, the roadmap's definitely set for them. They can definitely handle business in the West and represent this team, but they could also be flawless and maybe represent this conference even further this year.
0: Hey, you take care of business in those first five weeks of the school of the year, and I'm on record of saying they will be ranked in the top 25. Katie, here's what makes South Alabama so interesting. Unlike several of the league's top contenders, South Alabama they're locked in at the quarterback position. Carter Bradley's once again going to guide that offense. That offense averaged 31 points a game and over 420 yards per game a season ago. Kaden, how big of an advantage is it for South Alabama to be bringing back a guy who's already proven that he can perform at a high level in this league?
1: Oh, it's a huge advantage. We've talked about it at length, so we know the drill. Carter had a fantastic season last year. He led this team to 10 wins, which not many quarterbacks in the nation throughout their college careers or just in general can say that they can do that. And that's, I think, the hugest thing. He's proven to this team in this conference that he can win them games. 3,000 plus yards, 28 touchdowns. That was second and first in the conference last year. He can do the same this season, have similar numbers and have similar success. I think the question is, can he elevate himself even more and thus elevate this team and take them to even new heights. Can he maybe lower those interceptions a little bit? He tied for second in the conference. But most importantly, can he play big in fourth quarters like he did against Southern Miss and Old Dominion? Can he do that last year, this year, against teams like Troy, Tulane, Oklahoma State? The stage is set for him. The table is set for him to be able to capitalize on some big game opportunities early on in the season and throughout the year. The question is, can he come up clutch in those biggest moments? We know in the regular season, he's going to take care of business, lead the team to wins. Can he lead them to greatness? Can he take them from good to great with his play against the best opponents and the best competition he'll face this year?
0: Yeah, that will something. That will certainly be something we're keeping our eye on, Caden. And I think if he can make that leap, uh, he becomes a, a very meaty NFL prospect We heard about him on episode 94 when we had him on during our Sunbelt Media Recap, talking about how hungry that he doesn't have a backup option here. And man, when you're hungry and you don't have that backup option, watch out for a big year uh, from Carter Bradley. Staying on the offense, LaDamian Webb is back at running back after earning first-team honors a season ago. Caden, he broke the South Alabama rushing record despite missing a game and a half due to injury a season ago. You've got Braylon McReynolds back there, who Coach Womack raved about in this interview. Plus, you've got Omni Wells. And then on top of it, you bring in Kentrell Bullock from Old Miss in that backfield. Okay, now I don't think it's much of a stretch to say that this is going to be the most talented running back room in South Alabama history.
1: Yeah, they don't have the longest history, so that's not saying too much. But I think just the tip of the spear being with Damian Webb and Braylon McReynolds, I think that's where it starts. And I think that has the potential to possibly be one of the best and most exciting duos in the conference, mainly because they contrast to style. We talked about it. But Damian Webb can do it all. He's a bigger body, downhill kind of running back threat versus McReynolds, who's versatile out the backfield, can just keep defenses on their toes as a whole when you look at what those two guys bring to the table. And like Coach Womack mentioned, I mean, McReynolds doing what he did as a freshman, there's there's not many times you see a freshman running back perform well and then all of a sudden they regress or they plateau. I expect him to take another leap and another jump this year as a sophomore in his upcoming season. I'm really excited about him. He was electric against Southern Miss and Webb's absence. He had 160 all-purpose yards. He can have many all-purpose performances this year out of the backfield receiving, taking the load off of Ladamian if he has to running the ball. And we mentioned it, those backups also played well when Ladamian wasn't well, I wasn't um healthy. Loved Marco Lee and Omni Wells. Like Coach mentioned, Wells was a four yards per carry guy and leave, proved he can proved he can punch the ball in the red zone with two, two touchdown games last season. So this is a very complete unit, like you mentioned. They have a little bit different body types that can do a lot of different things. And I think you want, and the biggest question is, can LaDamian Webb stay healthy? If this team wants to reach its full potential, it's going to be him being in the starting lineup. But if he does get banged up again, I'm confident in those other players. But ideally, you would love him to just continually be that guy at the top and have everyone kind of follow and fit where needed, depending on the game plan and depending on the week.
0: Caden, if you're a fan, the one thing that you need to pay attention to is is teams that have a high floor. And that's what this South Alabama team is. And a big reason for that is this running back position. You're going to get production out of that position group. And so I think that as an offense just further elevates uh, the floor of this offense. And certainly, as we've mentioned, the ceiling might be just the roof at this point, um, Kate in South Alabama, they've had a wide receiver drafted in back-to-back NFL drafts. Jalen Wayne was the team's third leading receiver last year. Albeit, he did have a team-high nine touchdown grabs last season. You've got Colin Lacey, you've got Devin in Memphis transfer Javon Ivory is making a lot of noise. Uh, we talked about how good Coastal's wide receiver grouping of Pinckney, Brown, and Mobley is, but Kate, it's not much of a stretch to say that this group is better. How do they continue to turn out wide receivers at such a high clip in this South Alabama program?
1: Yeah, you have to give credit to their recruiting. You have to give credit to their position coach, and you have to give credit to their development just overall. I think this team has now become one that has a staple wide receiver that you have to account for every year. And I think going into this season, the biggest question is who's going to emerge as the scorer, you know, between Devin Voisey and Colin Lacey, these guys can get it done with the receptions and with the yards. They're high-volume targets that proven they can do that last year, taking a huge jump. The question's going to be who's going to replace those nine touchdown grabs that Jalen Wayne had. Jalen Tolbert had eight in 2020, and Jalen Wayne had two, so he had to take a step up. Now it's going to be curious to see Who's going to take that step up this year? Could it be a combination of Voice and Ann Lacey? Could it be Javon Iver from Memphis who has proven production at that level? I have high hopes for that being a three-headed monster. Again, that good trio. I'm just most excited to see who's going to be putting the ball in the end zone specifically for this team. But as far as production goes, I have no worries about this group whatsoever. Just more so curious to see who's going to be doing some touchdown dances in South Alabama this year.
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people doing touchdown dances uh, this year at South Alabama. I think the better question would be, what are those touchdown dances going to be? We'll have to keep track of that (laughs) as the season progresses. Well, Caden, much like James Madison, who we talked about on Friday's episode, South Alabama is bringing back four of the five starters on that O-line, plus they grabbed several transfers out of the SEC. They're also amongst the conference's elite on the defensive line. Jamie Sheriff, who was a top 10 defensive lineman in our rankings earlier this offseason, and Waikivius Thomas are going to lead the way. Both units had huge years in 2022, and it doesn't feel like it's going to take much imagination to say that South Alabama is going to be even stronger down in those trenches this fall.
1: Yeah, it's no secret that when you look at the teams that were good in the league last year and who were successful in this conference, both sides of the ball up front, they were fantastic if you look at it. And I have to give a special shout out to South Alabama because the offensive line truly used to be a weakness of this team. I think from 2021 and back, this unit kind of handcuffed this offense at times and didn't really allow things to get going in the run or pass game. Now they've developed. Now they did a great job last season paving the way for LaDamian Webb, protecting Carter Bradley very well, especially when you look at how many times he dropped back. This team returns four starters, like you mentioned. They add some big bodies out of Mississippi State. Not worry about the offensive line at all, and the same applies for this defensive line that brings back seven of their eight tacklers from up front. They only allowed 88 rush yards per game last season, which is absolutely insane, especially when you consider there's three teams in the conference that did that last year, holding teams in that 80-yard range. No other conference is doing that. By the way, I'll I'll plant my flag here and say the Sunbelt Conference has the best rush defense in the nation when you just look at a conference as a whole, but I think this unit has CJ Rios is gone as their big loss, but that's really it. We talk about Jeremy, Sher- Jamie Sheriff coming back. Brock Higdon, I think, can take a leap as a physical, big body with some athleticism. I've heard good things about. Um, Amon Brooks, one of the younger pass rushers they have. I'm more curious to see if they can maybe take a step up in their pass rushing. I love that they're moving Quentin Wolf onto that Wolf position. I think them kind of showing some versatility up front shows that they might have more of a premium and a priority on getting after the passer because that's really the only element of their game that they kind of can maybe take a step up and they're going to stop the run. Their linebacker is going to be able to play free and we know the secondary is loaded. The question is going to be, can they maybe take a step up as far as making that pass rush a little bit better, applying more pressure to quarterbacks and then making this team absolutely bulletproof top to bottom if they can do that.
0: Yeah, particularly that defensive line, Kane. just 28 sacks a season ago. They did a great job stopping the run, but didn't create a lot of havoc there. And that was something Kane Womack or mentioned in our interview to watch out for. So look for South Alabama to try to create some more havoc uh, this fall. Kane, let's talk about that secondary. Uh, you mentioned the dilemma in the interview with Coach Womack uh, you've got three starting level safeties for two spots, plus you're down Darrell Luter, who went in the NFL draft back in April. Keith Goldman's back from injury alongside Jaden Voysin and Yam Banks. This unit gave up just 239 yards per game a season ago through the air. On paper, this team, Caden, has an embarrassment of riches. Now the question becomes, how do you utilize
1: it all? I don't know how you utilize it all. We'll have to get in the meeting room and really chop it up in South Alabama to figure that out. But I mean, when you have Yam Banks, Jaden Voice, and Keith Gallman, Jalen Jordan, Marquise Robinson, those are all starting level players. And you only have so many positions on the field to fill. But the good thing that South Alabama has going right now is that they run that 4-2-5 type of interesting defensive scheme to where they can get some more defensive backs on the field. And when it gets to their nickel package and their dime package on third down, they have great tacklers that are safeties that can maybe move down to the linebacker roles they have a lot of versatility to use back there and we've also talked about how coach mentioned there's two transfers that come in and Jordan Buchanan from Purdue and safety Jerm um Jamarian Burt from Oklahoma these are two guys that they're also optimistic about as well so I think across the board this is definitely the position of strength out of the entire team if you look at the whole team itself this is where the strength is in the secondary the question is going to be can they utilize that great can we maybe get a pass rush like i mentioned before to even help this unit even more but i think like i mentioned third and long this team's going to be super dangerous and just in the pass game in general i can just imagine quarterbacks dropping back and trying to get to one target it's like okay Jaden voice is there trying to get to another target yeah yam banks is there keith goldman might be blitzing now like, it's, it's all over the place as far as what you're going to do. You're going to have your hands full if you're an offense going against this secondary in particular. I just cannot wait to watch them play against some of these great passing attacks that they're going to see this season.
0: Caden, okay, given this unit, here's the question I got for you. Do you think you would have made the field?
1: Who. <laughs> I think um, it depends on what season I think. with Come some on, proven that was per- an easy
0: answer. The answer is yes.
1: With some proven production, I think if if you get if I have some of my 2020 season you can look at, I might get on the field. But these all these guys are proven. I think there's no one on the field this year from South Alabama where it's going to be their first time doing it in the secondary. You know what I mean? So I think if I was proven, I'm not saying redshirt freshman Caden Smith is going to touch the field on this team. But the older experienced one that had some reps under his belt could definitely hang with these guys who also have a ton of experience.
0: You sure you don't have any eligibility left? It, it seemed like you were around the Sun Belt for forever.
1: That's why I don't have any more eligibility. I don't think year seven or year six is something <laughs> they're giving out anymore to 25-year-olds. But, you know, we can, we can maybe put our name back in the portal and see what we got.
0: Yeah, we'll have to certainly see. Kane, uh, we need to give a shout-out to South Alabama special teams before we move on, talking about the schedule. This unit was a top 25 unit a season ago. Diego Gorjardo, it seemed like he was hitting field goals from everywhere last year. Jack Brooks was a standout punter. Colin Lacey was returning kicks. They're bringing back everyone. Uh, Sands, Jeff Brooks, who decided late in the spring to return to Australia. With all that talent back on special teams, Caden, it's hard to picture a year where South Alabama takes a, a really a big step backwards.
1: No, their special teams won't take a step back. I mean, Diego hit some clutch kicks for this team as well, which is huge. He might have to hit some clutch ones again this season, looking at their schedule and then bringing back McReynolds as a returner as well, as along with, along with Colin Lacey. I anticipate this team being another unit that's one of the best best in the country, one that can flip the field, have field position on their side to complement their offense and defense well. And I think that's just another reason why you can kind of further enhance and kind of feel better about the championship odds of this team because they're going to have a special teams unit that's also at a championship level too that's going to complement their offense and defense. So very excited around this, about this team across the board and especially with the special teams as well.
0: Well, Ken, let's talk some schedule for South Alabama. Uh, Again, when you look at these first five weeks of the schedule, it might be one of the toughest in the G5. Uh, The Vegas oddsmakers right now had the Jags with an over-under of eight wins heading into 2023. This team opens the season on the road in what might be the G5 game of the year against reigning Cotton Bowl champs Tulane. Then you go to Stillwater in week three, so it's trial by fire right off the bat. Then you've got a date at James Madison to end September. You'll get three straight dogfights, Southern Miss, Louisiana, and Troy in late October into early November before ending the season with Arkansas State, Marshall, and Texas State. Let's just go ahead and say it, Caden. South Alabama, they're making a bowl game this year, but this schedule isn't easy. It does provide the Jags, though, with just a huge opportunity for them to make some noise, particularly early on. And Caden, I said it earlier on. If you can come out of those first five weeks of the season with at least a 4-1 record, this Jags team is going to be staring at a ranking next to their name on Saturdays.
1: Yeah, the real question with this team is, do they want to be good or do they want to be great? They can go 0-5 to start the season and still make the conference championship, which as a player, I love my schedules being like that. You want your most important non-conference games or games that don't really matter in the beginning. Like you want to face Tulane in week one. Tulane doesn't know if they're going to be the Cotton Bowl team again. They don't know if they have that same level. And South Alabama doesn't know either. But you go into week one and you're going to find out really quick. So I think when you look at their schedule, could they go 0-5 and then take care of business on their side of the conference and make it to the championship game? Yeah. Could they go 5-0 and to start the season, be a ranked team and carry that momentum and get national attention? Also, yeah. So that's why I just feel great about this team overall. I love the positioning of their schedule. I love that they're getting challenged. I think challenging teams, getting challenged is a great thing. And I'm just excited to watch them strap it up, truly. I think that this team has a ton of potential. I think they have Cotton Bowl potential written all over them. It's going to be about, can they capitalize on some of those early road tests? And they're going to be tested, but just a matter of can they get the job done? Can they persevere? Can they close out games that they weren't able to close out last season?
0: Yeah, it will be fascinating to see. It really, I think, all comes down to November 2nd when they head up to Troy. That game could very easily decide uh, who comes out of the Sun Belt West. Well, that will do it for our South Alabama preview on the Ferry and Smith podcast. Big thanks to South Alabama head coach Kane Womack as well as associate AD Kevin Beasley for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast on Wednesday. Our season preview series parks in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, as we welcome Southern Miss head coach Will Hall to talk about the Golden Eagles' upcoming season. That'll do it for us here at the Frarian Smith Podcast. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please consider leaving us a review or a quick five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're continuing to count down the days to the start of the Sunbelt football season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.